Hello, everybody, and welcome to week nine of the Lean Toss-Up College Football Podcast. I am here, uh, as always, uh, with my co-host at Buckmetrics here. Uh, part, we're here live from part one, where we're going to recap uh, what happened last week, give a couple of, 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 of kind of thoughts about a couple of games for next week, uh, and then in part two, uh, we're going to talk about uh, our, our, our doozies, our two deep dives, and then a lot of our picks uh, for next week. So, how are you doing tonight, uh, Buck? I am great. I am happy, as always, to be co-hosting the, shop, the Sharpest College Football Podcast. It's good to be back. For those of who, those who follow me on Twitter probably figured out I was out of the country last week. Um, also, for those who follow me on Twitter, thank you for not robbing my house while I was out of the country last week. Um, but it is great to be back. Yeah, always, uh, always great when people on Twitter do not... Uh... Can, uh, do not do it conduct a felony that that's always a positive thing uh but yeah well welcome back and yeah we're uh we're we're happy to have you uh back so uh a quick note actually i will be off on vacation in a couple of weeks not yet don't worry and but don't worry it's been um it's been timed so that i will be i'll be back before thanksgiving obviously the most important games of the year uh so don't worry about that i'm, I'm only gone for a couple of weeks again I, I i finally get vacation for my my job so I'm, I'm taking that but we're gonna see how we're gonna do that if i'm gonna be recording from afar or not so we'll have to see um but yeah we're k- k- stay tuned for updates about that so Part one, the dashboards. What just happened? What does it mean? Last week, bit of a weird week in terms of, of college football. Some things happened that we we called what one thing specifically happened that we called a mile away. Um, but some other interesting, some other kind of interesting things happened last week. So what what happened last week? Yeah, well, first of all, an update on the special announcement that I had last week. I was listening to a college football pod um, from the Athletic today, and they actually. Uh, not unlike what uh, I did when I used my 25th Amendment powers for a, an embargo on specific content, this episode actually said you can't say the name of the school that um, uh, is in the same state as the Cyclones. <laughs> so once again, being the sharpest college football podcast, we were ahead of everybody else. It's good to see that uh, common sense is taking hold across the college football universe. That That's actually so funny because, again, like – Sitting here, like, I mean, obviously, to be fair, we did harp on them a lot. And it's, I mean, they deserve every second of it. But, like, it's so funny because it's like, oh, man, it's so easy to make a joke about them. And and it's just like, yeah, you know what? It, it's got other podcasts are like, okay, you know what? We, it's enough beating up on them. We should <laughs> we should do it. But the thing is, to be fair, though, and, and we'll, we'll talk a bit about this more, though. Like, they actually played a relatively important game last week that, again, outside of them – has important implications for the rest of college football and and the rest yeah. of the season. So we're we're all, I think that the and we kind of talked about this beforehand. Although we're not going to talk about obviously the funny thing about Iowa, we're going to talk specifically in that context of that game about Iowa's defense versus Ohio State's offense. That's it. We're not going to say anything that happened on the other end of the ball. Although a lot of really funny things happen there too. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk exclusively about Iowa's defense versus Ohio State's offense. I think that's the that's the the best thing to talk about for in terms of that. You're pushing um, <laughs> against legal precedent here, pal. I'll just I'll caution you now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, catching up on just the observations we had before last week's games and how they turned out. Um, 
Cincy was minus four at SMU. Um, I said, is this market not sold on the Cincy team? Does the line stink? Actually, the line was pretty close. Um, Cincy just won by two on a failed two-point conversion with under a minute left or so. Um, SMU has just incredibly, could we say they're just a bad luck team or just like a secretly good resume team? They've got probably a, a really good series of, of, of losses in that they've lost to a couple of power fives. One of them still undefeated in TCU. You know, they take uh, one loss and probably one of the very best G5 teams to literally the, the last moment. Um, I think SMU is, is, I hate to use this, but they're like the best three and four team in the nation. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I mean, you never, uh, you never know, really. Sometimes stuff like that happens, right? So, yeah, th- this team, I feel like it's just been so up and down, right? Like, they've been, like, down against, like, Maryland. They, they lost against Maryland. They lost against... Um, they had that one really bad game against UCF. Yeah, they did. They, they had got a away really, from them. They had a really bad game against UCF. So they've been up and down, but, like, I just... It, it's such a weird team. I think, like, SMU, like... I, I don't think the play was bad. Like, I, I did do Cincy minus three. I don't feel like it was a bad play. Like, again, the, it was a missed two-point conversion with, like, seconds left. But, again, the thing is, they had to score a touchdown for that to happen, too, right? So, again, that's that last kind. It wasn't like they were in a dominant position that entire game, right? So, like, I I agree with, that, with the fact that, cause, like, this team has had, like, some, like, again, they played Maryland. They played TCU. TCU, a better team. Maryland, a decent team, but not a bad team. But they lost against both of those by about seven each time. I think uh, TCU was eight. Bad game against UCF. Crushed Navy, but again, you're supposed to... Well, they only beat Navy by like six, which that's actually... They didn't cover the spread then. Then they did lose to Cincinnati, but it's just... It's such a weird season where like you can massively underperform against UCF, massively underperform against Navy, but then almost beat Cincy, which is... It's such such a weird... combination of things but yeah i uh just a weird weird year for for smu yeah um not really a, a what you would expect on a week one or a year one from Rhett lashley either you this looks like you know it's not like they're trying to figure it out it's like they know that they're good they've just kind of had some weird circumstances other thing about this game is that cincinnati i was wrong about them preseason they lost a lot on defense coming into the season. I thought they were going to be good, but more on offense. Their offense is pretty average, but their defense is actually, I've got them rated at a plus 10.0 points, which is fifth in all of FBS, not just G5. So um, this really, you know, nobody is saying that Fickle is is not a good coach, but when you do this in a rebuilding year for your defense and you're, you're basically number five ahead of most of the power five, um, Fickle really moves up another notch for me with this season. Um, he shouldn't have been this good this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy that Cincinnati has rebuilt, right? I mean, we week one we bet against them against, or sorry, not yeah, no week one. I yeah, not week zero, week one. We bet against them against we bet on Arkansas minus at seven at Arkansas, yeah. yeah, and they covered that. Uh, or no, no, I think I got the six and a half. I think they won by exactly seven. I got a six and a half, so I, we got the win. But the thing was, it was like Arkansas was dominant in that game, and we thought, oh, maybe Cincinnati's pretty good. But Arkansas just is just falling off a cliff. Like yeah. they were so good before, but they've just really struggled the last couple of weeks. And again, now maybe that makes Cincinnati look a little worse too. But 
I do kind of think SMU is like secretly not bad. So we'll we'll talk more about Cincy's game this week. We'll have to see. Yep. Okay. Uh, also in the American, um, when I saw Tulane open seven, and with a total minus seven uh, hosting Memphis and a total of sixty point five, I was kind of confused. I thought that that total was high. I was wondering if the market was overly sold on the Memphis offense, not really sold on Tulane defense, and um, interestingly, Tulane covers, but the total went over. So um, I think even though Memphis is having a rough year, that offense is still good. They just they have a problem stopping anybody. Uh, it's, this is they're they're kind of having the season I thought USC was going to have this season. Where they're just if you can't they cannot score uh, anyone, they're in, in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a again a, an odd an odd kind of game. I Tulane is a good team, but just not like um, an amazing team. I think they've they've had some weird. They've had some weird games. Um, they they've been able, they were able to shut down Kansas State, but then you have Memphis put up twenty eight points. It's just a weird, weird team that Tulane, the Green Wave, but a decent team though. But the best logo in all of of college football, though that Definitely. that wave, the angry wave, is just next level. It is the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had an interesting discussion about how literally no outcome of Texas at Oklahoma State would surprise us, and. You were saying, you know, if it gets to too much, maybe you'll bet on Oklahoma State. Of course, I talked you out of that, and that was the play to do. But I also said, hey, if if if, if the line gets too far away from us, maybe the play is Oklahoma State plus plus you know plus the, the money. Line, yeah. And um, of course, neither of us did that. So great idea and crappy execution. <laughs> well, yeah. So instead of the money line, I instead opted for Quinn Ewers over two and a half passing touchdowns which in the first half looked great. He had two in the first half, and I'm like, this is good. And and it's like, okay, well, they're only up, like, I think seven or ten going into the second half. I'm like, okay, well, they're definitely going to need at least one more score, and Quinn Ewers probably throws another touchdown pass, but then they just decided they were just going to kick a bunch of field goals. So uh, we got uh, – we got I got screwed out of that one. So that was that was a bit painful. Um, but I, I was not going to – I was definitely not touching anything – like any sort of like Texas money line or spread in that game, not a chance. Yeah. And, and I, I think that was, I mean, outside of betting Oklahoma state, that was the right angle to take. Like definitely, definitely like I have not bet Texas spread at all this year. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I no. I, I've, I've not bet a single Texas spread, but I've still made money off them by betting on like props, like when he was over or whatever. Right. So yeah, it's, it's just such a fascinating, it, it's, Again, we're, I think we're going to talk more about Texas later, but just such a weird, again, another weird team that is definitely underperforming expectations, especially when this team is so good. Like, yeah. All right. I, just to be clear, are you making the controversial statement that a Sark team fell apart in the second half? Did you get you on the record now? Yeah, controversial, I know. Hey, there's no precedent of it. If there's only... That's never happened in the last uh, 12 months. It has not happened. Uh, yeah, definitely out of character. Uh, yeah. Stay tuned to part two if you want a good conversation about that. Uh, in the MAC, I had mentioned that Ball State, um, it could be sneaky horrible, especially with their bad quarterback. And they did me a solid by losing to Eastern Michigan, who's been really having a, a, a tough season. And the sneaky bad quarterback, John Paddock, had a he's number 11 on the bum list. Um had a bum list quality uh, performance with a QB plus of 39 um, against Eastern Michigan. It's not like he was playing a power five team. That's you were pl- you're not playing Georgia there. That's yeah. That's play- that, that's saying something um, in the ACC. Um, what I 
tagged as my BBMI um, opening line, Duke getting double digits at Miami. I just said market's missing both sides of this equation, and Duke won pretty handily in that one. My, Miami was never covering the spread in this game. Like, literally at no point in the game where they ever... Now, obviously, they lost by, like, I think 21 points. So like, they obviously lost the game, but, like, they were never covering that the plus 10. Like, and that's... Like, we've been on Miami all this time, and, like, it, like we keep making money by betting against Miami. It's, like, I think probably my most profitable te- my most profitable move all, all season has just been betting against Miami every week. Just spread money line anti-Miami, and it it's been working. Like, it's, it's so crazy how... Like and again, you, you see this at the same time. You, you go across the country, the other end of the country, and you see hit the, the Mario Cristobal's former team looking so amazing. Yeah. With with Bo Nix, the guy who like yeah. we thought was like the the literal embodiment of chaos. We're like he's looking amazing. Like we saw how he looked in Auburn and those crazy plays where he does something crazy and then immediately throws interceptions. Like we saw those plays and those, like and then he he's been, he's turning into like this amazing quarterback and it, it's it's crazy how much he's turned. Not even just in, in the off season it, since game since game one Oregon's turned it around since the, since the first game against uh, against uh, against Georgia. Like it's it's just it's so insane how we're seeing. Like Miami, and, and again, I keep saying this every week, but it's it, it literally every week becomes even crazier. How the difference between Miami and Oregon now every week it just becomes deeper and deeper. It's it's insane, absolutely insane. Yeah, maybe I've I've been wrong uh, this whole time because I've been saying <clears throat> literally for over a month that Miami needs an intervention where a group of former players goes to Mario and says, "Cut it out, just you know, be a head coach, stop screwing around and screwing all up all your assistants." Maybe the plan all along was just to – it's a very long, long con where they just said, you know what, we'll get in Mario, he'll he'll recruit, then we'll fire him in five years, then we'll bring in Dan Lanning or another hot assistant, and then we'll actually be good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's so – like, I mean, that's an insane pitch, right? But apparently it – but, like, how, do they – I don't think they give him five years. Um, He's got – you know what – um. He's got the long contract. I don't think he's got the ten-year deal, but he's got a, a long contract, and I think he's going to have a longer leash than most because he is a native son. But it, yeah, he's his contract's going to be kind of like um, where Texas A and M is with Jimbo, where he could just say, "No, nope, I like what I do. You don't like it, you know." pay me out the whatever it is i mean there becomes a point in time when like you have to start worried about worrying about being caught for something with cause right like there you know there like how much money is texas a&m spending on basically just spying on jimbo fisher (laughs) like just making sure he's yeah everything's completely on above board and and fine like because like right because like that could literally like if you're whatever cost for like a private like that's that's that money is cheap like that that money is like insane ROI if they find something right so yeah I mean but like yeah no I I don't I like again I think there's a point when these guys would be gone Jimbo Fisher has a bit of a longer leash but again he's not locked in forever like he can be fired eventually right like a year next year potentially you could fire Jimbo um Crystal Ball is gonna have a couple more years I but I, I think by year four if he hasn't turned this around by year four he's gone in year four I don't think he's gonna do a year five but we'll see yeah, the one thing I'm kind of curious about too is we've we've talked about this a little bit and I'm still undecided. I'm 
I think you and I are undecided between the two of us too for an official podcast position. I'm I'm kind of of the mind that if Texas A&M paid like whatever it is, like $80 million to buy out Jimbo, I still think that scares away a lot of candidates because I think, yeah, you would get a good big buyout, but you know, if a school is crazy enough to spend that much to get rid of a coach that has a winning record, I think there's going to be just a lot of a lot of people that would just say, "Nah, there, there's just something that's not right there." Well, and I'm actually thinking about this too because we we entered this era relatively recently, maybe within the last couple of years, of these massive big money contracts, right? You've got Jimbo in there, Mario Cristobal, Mel Tucker. You've got these guys. Now, obviously, Nick Saban technically falls in that category, but definitely not the category of bad. But yeah. you've got this category of deals that we're looking at now. And again, there's a ton of other ones, too, littered around there that have been basically bought out now. Like, I think um, uh, the one from Ed Ardron from from Louisiana, he was a big buyout, too. Like, all these ones. We entered this era so quickly of like, okay, you've got to find your guy, and if he does one good year, you got to lock him down before someone else steals him. Mm-hmm. And and we're we're kind of in the same era now with NIL, right? Where there's money, and again, to be fair, a lot of this is rumor based in terms of how much these guys are paying, like how much these guys these kids are getting paid, right? We don't actually know, like, uh, uh, there's a lot of it that's under the table, right? So we don't know exactly how much, and there's numbers that have been thrown out, like a million for starting quarterback, or whatever, like that's. It's a little high, maybe about right for some of these ones, but that's a really big number, though. But where these big numbers are being thrown around, and I think, like, and I saw someone at one point said, like, and it was apparently an athletic article that said, like, there's going to be, a, it's, it's kind of like with a stock market, right? Eventually the bubble's going to burst, and mm-hmm. it's going to take Miami <clears throat> sitting there buying out uh, Mario Cristobal for $90 million or uh, Jimbo Fisher being bought out for. 90 like it's gonna take a couple of these schools to cut massive checks for other schools to be like okay like smarten up here you're we can't do this like we're not gonna do this we're not gonna give some guy who had one good year this massive extension just because we were afraid of him going off like it's gonna take we're, we're getting to a point now and again we're, we're getting that way for for quarterbacks like it's gonna only take like a one bust quarterback or maybe a couple of them until people realize like, okay, this was a bat. We're not going to do this anymore. And I think we're getting to a point where like, and and again, obviously there's inflation adjusted into there too, but what's the next crop of starting of salaries for, for head coaches going to be next year? Is it going to be higher or lower in nominal terms, probably higher, but like we might start seeing those creep down a little lower as people are like, we're not going to bet the house on some random guy now because we don't want to be stuck in the same position as like A&M with Jimbo Fisher or, Miami, like those are going to be the poster child for what not to do, and and there's going to be a lot of like we're not doing that because of of uh, of Mario Cristobal because of Jimbo Fisher, right? So yeah, I think there's going to be a big divide between the absolute top coaches and then the ones that still have to prove it because you know Mario won a couple of I think probably three, two or three conference titles, um, but it was clear that he wasn't of that you know that top top level, although maybe not clear enough. To well, everyone. Yeah, to be fair, Jimbo, I think, did they win a national title? He has they, a national title at he Florida He does have a national State. title, yeah. yeah. Well, then, okay, Mel, Mel Tucker will be <clears throat> the poster child for it then. Yeah, he but, just missed it with his 5-7 uh, and seven season in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, just missed it. No, I mean, this is the thing. So maybe Mel Tucker will be the poster child for that going. Like, But there's going to be a time when people are going to be like, we don't want to pull a Mario Cristobal or a Mel Tucker. or mm-hmm. like Once there's enough of these examples lying around... 
and people learn from this, you're you're not going to see this anymore. Yeah. Agree. All right. Uh, back to um, the week that was. Uh, last observation I talked about last week was one of the most consequential coaching moves um, coming into the season was Lane Kiffin hiring uh, Maurice Crum as his defensive coordinator. And um, somehow LSU ends up um, on a ends the game at LS at LSU on a forty two and to three run against Ole Miss. So I think all the goodwill just kind of disintegrated in about a about a half a football there as far as Maurice Crum <laughs> in Oxford, Mississippi. I mean, the thing of it was, I, I can't remember who said this on Twitter. I think it was. Uh, Fornelli, I think he said that Ole Miss was the biggest frauds who ever frauded, and like that is actually so true. Like this team was so like, and I even, I mean, I had a rant about this a couple weeks ago when I'm like, they've literally not been tested by literally anybody, and yeah. sure enough, right? Like, I mean, they played. Let's look through the schedule here. Let's let's go back to this before they played LSU. They played Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Tulsa, Kentucky, a Kentucky team that I is. I think they're currently rated ranked now or not. I I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're ranked now. At the time, they were ranked seventh. Um, no, they're not seventh now. I can they're tell not you that definitely for not. Sure. They're 19th now. Okay, so they are technically a top 25 team, but that's definitely that's definitely skeptic. I'm definitely still skeptical of them. Then they beat Vanderbilt. Then they beat Auburn, and then they lost to LSU pretty badly. They lost by 25 to LSU. And then next up is is A and M, then Ar- then Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State. So the schedule gets a bit tougher, but yeah. they probably beat Texas A and M. Maybe they even beat Arkansas. I don't know. But like we saw this last year with this this Ole Miss team. This Ole Miss team was good until they played actual good teams, right? Like they they were good until they played Alabama. Alabama crushed them. And and this is the thing, right? So and Matt Corral went to Carolina and. Again, that that entire Carolina thing is a is a dumpster fire. But um, he got he got injured in the preseason. We haven't seen him much this year. So we haven't actually seen him at all. Cause he, I think he tore his ACL in a preseason, like the second game of the preseason. But but no, it's just this team was so fraudulent, and it was very easy to see it was fraudulent. I didn't touch this at all. I I did. I wasn't the highest on LSU. I actually am relatively high on LSU. This team is like sneakily good now. Actually, I believe they're ranked now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they they um, popped up way in the polls. Yeah, they're 18th now. They're six and two, so we're gonna see we're gonna see them in uh, December. Yeah, I was about to say they're gonna go bowling, but they, they go bowling in December. So we're gonna see them in a bowl, Alabama in a couple weeks. Actually, next week, not this week, next week. Uh, then Arkansas, UAB, Texas A&M. They could go like three and one in that. Probably can't upset Alabama. If they could upset Alabama, that'd be amazing. Um, but this LSU team with Brian Kelly is like sneakily good. And again, this is year one for Brian Kelly and what was supposed to be a rebuilding year. Um, and I don't even know who their quarterback is, or like not particularly. Jaden Daniels. Oh, Jaden Daniels. That's right. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Not bad, but again, not. I'm assuming not Brian Kelly's first pick. So, like, you give Brian Kelly a quarterback, and again, this was kind of the whole theory of him getting out of Notre Dame, right? Hey, we don't have to recruit academically anymore. Okay, so mm-hmm. we could get whoever we want now. Yeah, maybe he could be. Maybe this could be like this could be a really good team in the SEC next year, and maybe the year after if they can get a quarterback. So, watch out for this team. This team could be is like sneakily good. So, yeah, Daniels has at least one more season. Um, you know, he has a COVID season under his belt too, so he might have two if he wants to stay. And I don't think I can't see him going to the NFL. Although, I don't know. 
who knows you get you know he gets bad advice and he might LSU was six and two and I think their season win total was six and a half so I don't think anybody saw them being six and two at this juncture and they are not that far from being seven and one remember they are basically a blocked extra point away from going to overtime in that opener against yeah. um, a, a decent Florida State team that finds ways to lose games. Um, and their uh, their only other loss was to Tennessee, which looks yeah. better by the day, right? So. Yeah, no, that's that, that's a pretty solid resume, especially for year one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, moving on to basically stories that we learned from last week's results. Ohio State wins 54 to 10. Um, I'm thinking Ohio State might have the best defense we've ever seen. They gave up <laughs> They gave up 158 yards. This is their defensive drive chart. This is amazing. Interception, punt, fumble, downs, field goal, punt, interception, punt, fumble, interception, downs, punt, downs, fumble, punt. You don't play better defense than that. that End of conversation. That's pretty good. Again, remember the only the other only other seven points were on offense. It was uh, Ohio State's a pick six. Uh, it was actually funny at one point in this game because I actually did bet Ohio State spread. And this was when, because on offense, Ohio State kept scoring field goals. And I was like, and I think it was like, at this point, it was 19 to 10. And I'm like, you know, it's going to be really hard for Ohio State to keep covering the spread if they keep keep kicking field goals. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, if they score a couple touchdowns, then you get like, you get the desperation pick six. The next play, the next play was the pick six. Literally, the next play was the pick six. And just amazing. But no, I mean... One thing I will say, though, about this Ohio State team is this was like, although obviously you won by 44, like shakily a not good performance by Ohio State. CJ Stroud looked not amazing at times. And I, I think when we talk it's like so a lot of people basically during this game. I was I was looking online and um, for Heisman odds, and I actually saw live in this game, basically uh, CJ Stroud and Hendon Hooker were tied um, in the middle of this game for odds to to win the highs. Now, this is before this. This is before the second half, and I considered betting on Hooker to win the Heisman, but then I realized that the better play at that point was to bet Bryce Young number one overall pick, because the thing of it is NFL. And again, so to, it was an overreaction. Both lines are back to where they were now. I think functionally, I think Hannon Hooker is a little lower now, but both lines are functionally where they were before the week started. And uh, the thing of it is, at this point. Like when NFL owners, well, not not owners, when, well, owners, yes, and scouts and head coaches, if you're in the market for a quarterback, so if you're the Houston Texans, if you're the, I'm Houston, maybe not, but if you're the, if you're the Detroit Lions, if you're the Carolina Panthers, and you've got that number one overall pick, and you're looking at tape, I mean, the thing is, Bryce Young has never really had a bad, like, there's been a couple of weird kind of games, but there's been a lot of, like, good games where he's played good defenses and been good. There is now one game, actually a couple games now, where C.J. Stroud has played a good defense, Michigan last year, Iowa this year, and he has not looked good, mm-hmm. right? And that is a concern, and, and I, I kind of do like Bryce Young as the number one overall pick. Another reason I potentially like Bryce Young as the number one overall pick is because the Lions have now moved into top spot for the number one overall pick. A little sad about that. I thought this could be a bit of a breakout year for them. But um, the thing of it is they actually they drafted one of Alabama's wide receivers last year. So they have Jamison Williams now. So theoretically, mm. you might want to reunite, reunite Jamison Williams and Bryce Young. So that's an 
underappreciated angle to keep keep in mind. But no, I like. And I'm going to talk more about this in terms of Heisman odds and C.J. Stroud, but it is a little concerning. And again, we're, we're going to see this this week because Ohio State is playing Penn State, which is another legitimate defense. I have concerns about what happens when this Ohio State team plays an actual defense. And this isn't the first time we've seen we've had this concern. We had this concern a couple times last year when they played Michigan in 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 the uh, in in on basically on Thanksgiving weekend, on in the rivalry game. We've seen we've seen this a couple times. This isn't the first time they've had problems. Now again, they figured it out in the second half, went crazy, got a bunch of t- passing touchdowns. Great, he actually covered his over passing touchdowns. But again, that really sluggish opening, like half start, that's a concern for not just C.J. Stroud, but for this Ohio State team. So that's something I'm keeping my eye on as well. Yeah, fair, fair point. A couple of other games in the Big Ten, uh, Penn State 42, Minnesota 17. I'm thinking that um, even though they've had some injuries, maybe the Gophers are not quite as good as we thought. They've lost their last three games, 91 to 41. And Rutgers 24, Indiana 17. Bringing this up because 16 punts featured, definitely featured in this game. Eight for each team. For reference, UCLA has 12 punts for the entire season. Punt, punting is winning. Uh, no, I mean, so one thing about Minnesota is, yeah, I'm, I'm really kind of out on this Minnesota team. Uh, I really don't like, we really like them. And like Penn state is not a particularly good team. And this was potentially also a look ahead spot for Penn state too, going to Ohio state next week, or actually hosting Ohio state next week. And, and you're telling me that they, that they can only put up 17 points and they let 42 in. Like, like you let Sean Clifford put 42 against you. Like, come on. Like, what yeah. is this? Um, Rutgers, surprisingly I my model did like Rutgers in this game and I was crazy um but like this Rutgers team is secretly not well they're still pretty bad but like not not they're better than bad teams they're like a cut above the bad teams and like Indiana yeah. is a bad team and I think yeah maybe this record like this Rutgers team is uh is not uh is maybe not horrible I mean this this team did almost beat Nebraska like two weeks ago so they should have yeah they probably should have beat Nebraska. Yeah. Um, team a little better than Rutgers, Alabama, 30, Mississippi State, 6. I bring this up because this is just going to be my one of my, um, my what do we say, my pet peeves or my my causes or raison d'etre. Um, I saw a tweet that said Mississippi State, and this is from a good account that I like, but my gosh, Mississippi State plus 21 and a half is interesting. With the news that Alabama will be without its top three interior defensive linemen and top two backups at inside linebacker. Once again, kids, if you don't know what exactly is behind the injured person, don't play based on injury news. End of sermon. No, and this is such a big deal, right? Because in the NFL, the backup behind X lineman is well known. Like we know who that guy is. Yep. There's tape back on him for 10 years. You have literally no idea. And again, I mean, Nick's literally Nick Saban is the only person who actually, I mean, and whoever the offensive line coordinator is, they know who that person is. You have no idea. You have no idea what, where that is that some guy who they're using as a backup somewhere. Maybe that kid was like a, a five-star recruit out of some high school. So like in the like you have no idea where that kid is. Right. And this is the thing, that kid could be sitting on the bench right now because that guy's starting and next year is going to be his year and then mm-hmm. he'll start getting draft buzz, right? So, yeah, you have no idea who any of these kids are. So, 
No, and, and that's the thing. I will say though that like I thought like the the the, the scoreline is a bit interesting to me. The Mississippi State six. That's not interesting, honestly. I. I kind of expected Mississippi State to get pretty like get crushed defensively. Um, they did that six was that like the last play of the game, so it was that. But the one thing I kind of find really interesting is Alabama thirty. I thought that would be a lot higher because to be fair, this was the spread was twenty one. Alabama only won by twenty four, so not particularly a dominant performance. Like they just kind of stopped scoring at a certain point. So I thought, I thought they maybe poured it on more, but at a certain point, you might just be like, "We're done, right? We're, we don't need to do any more, right? We're we're done, right? If they can't score anything, then why are we going to keep scoring too, right?" So, yeah, and I just one last thing on this game as an under better, the total was sixty and a half. I had the under on this. This might be the game. This and Duke Miami were probably the two that I wish I had been able to see overseas. Um, being that far under without ever being in doubt is just the best feeling in the world. Um, especially yeah. if Alabama's got its A game on defense, you know that you're you're in for a good day. Um, speaking of teams that are going to go under a lot, Clemson 27, Syracuse 21. Clemson's quarterbacks were both lousy. Um, their quarterbacking is just, I'm sorry, man, it's garbage. I don't see how a team, I'm, I'm kind of, even though I bet it's not looking great, I bet them to, to win less than 10 games this season. Part of me wants Clemson to make the playoff. Their team quarterback plus is 101, which basically means they're average for all of FBS. Um, Clemson could really be stepping into the role if they make the playoff of just the, you know, the Alabama, Oklahoma role of just getting, you know, just dump trucked in a playoff game. I'm I'm kind of actually hoping for that to happen now. Well, see, the, I, I actually kind of like, I don't want that because we have so many other good teams, right? Like Michigan's actually not a bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, ten, like I, I worry that we're going to, I worry that what's going to happen is Ohio State beats Michigan or Michigan beats Ohio State in the last game, one or the other. I don't know which one it would be. But then Clemson gets in ahead of that Ohio State team. And again, you have the – because this is, again, this is another one in an extremely long line of games of Clemson not covering the spread and barely winning, right? This is what happened to them against Wake Forest. This is – I mean, they they did cover against Florida State, but that looked shaky at times. This is a long line of games of of Clemson barely covering the spread. Like, here's the thing. You're like, oh, they beat Syracuse. That's good. The spread was 14 and a half. They won by six. And again, that was kind of lucky that they won by that six because Syracuse just kind of gave up. And like – because, like, well, they didn't give up per se, but, like, they just kind of stopped scoring. Like, they had a ton of turnovers. And the best part was – and I watched this game live, so – I was able to to see it. They literally had a um, there. People complained about officiating that didn't really matter too much. But at one point, they swapped out DJ and put in uh, Clint Kubiak, and and basically, then after the game, when they won the game, so he basically he did create a bit of a spark to win after the game. They went up to 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 Dabo, and they said, "Is is there?" I mean, you were trailing in this game. You put this kid in and you won now. Is there a quarterback controversy here in Clemson? And Dabble's like, nope, uh, DJ's our guy. We just needed a spark today. We just need, Sometimes you just need a bit of a spark. And we, we, we pulled our guy and we gave our, our team the spark to win. I'm like, what? How is it that the backup is needed to provide a spark when you're like, that makes zero sense at all. Yeah. That's insane, by the way. Like, Again, the spread was 14 and a half. You barely won by six. So, 
again, this Clemson team keeps scraping through, and it's gonna it's gonna be really sad if like we see Clemson in the in the top four rather than like a Tennessee that loses to a Georgia in in a conference play. Again, if Georgia beats Tennessee, they go to the SEC championship game. Again, craziness can happen there. If if whoever like the the loser of Ohio State Michigan should probably be in the top four as well. Like it's gonna be so sad. Or like again, what happens if we have undefeated Clemson and one loss Oregon or one loss USC, right? Or mm-hmm. one loss UCLA? Like who's gonna be the who's gonna be the like if we see those if we see Cle- an undefeated Clemson over a very deserving I'd say one loss Oregon, that's a travesty, right? So or again, what about TCU? So like no, I, I want this Clemson team to lose. The problem is we're running out of runway really yeah, soon for that. Like we're we're like the 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 uh, the win total might be a done deal at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, like I the 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 one saving grace on that is they will have the um the ACC championship game. They have Notre Dame next. They have Notre Dame next week. They're off this week. They have Notre Dame. Uh, Louisville, um, uh, not particularly great. Miami, I mean. That might be the first spread Miami covers in a while. You're, you're, I'm impressed you're going through this without laughing. And then Let's South, see if you can continue it. Yeah, South Carolina. So okay, and they, take a look at who's in the other division. Who's going to come out of the other division for the ACC title game? Is it divisions? Or yeah, yeah. I'll give you a hint. It. You know what's not dead? Hilariously, is that stupid North North Carolina ticket I have to win the ACC. Oh, there wow, might actually yeah. be some oxygen in that room. Oh, oh, that's right. Wake Forest is in the same division. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Uh, that would have been the shot. Yep. Come on. Uh, come on, Mac Brown. You could do this one thing, Mac Brown. Yes. Come on, <laughs> Mac Brown. You got this. <laughs> so I wasn't ignoring you. I was on my phone looking up, and um, the first college football playoff rankings are released this upcoming – a week from today. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm going to be curious where they have Clemson just yeah. because I think this team is, it's a, it's a half team and it's a half team in a, in a pretty crappy conference. You know, they're pretty clearly fourth. They're not close to, um, the big 12, which is third in my rankings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> also in the ACC Duke 45, Miami 21, we talked about this. I just want, um, Miami fans to be patient, hang in there. Cause once Mario gets his kind of recruits in place, he'll have Miami where Texas is now. Five and three and underachieving. Speaking of which, Oklahoma State 41, Texas 34. Quinn Ewers in his last two games is only 36 of 75 for 6.5 yards per attempt against Iowa State, um, who's a good defense but has nothing on offense, so they'll give you back the ball a lot. And Oklahoma State, who we've chronicled, has really kind of been disappointing on defense this year. Two games in a row. Are we kind of – we both like yours. Were we a little too bullish on him? I don't know. I, I do kind of feel like, and, and this is the same thing, kind of ties into the whole my, uh, to the whole um, Texas thing. Because, again, how many times have we seen Texas going into the half with a big, with a lead? They had a lead. And there was a smaller lead this time, only, I think, 7 or 11. I can't remember which one it was. But they had a smaller lead in this game. How many times have we seen them go into a second half of the lead and blow that lead, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason they're doing that is because they're not making adjustments at the half. The other team is making adjustments. They're not, right? Quinn Ewers looked pretty good in the first half and then looked really bad in the second second half, right? So, uh, and again, you got Archie Manning coming. So, I mean, I, Florida quarterback Quinn Ewers, 
<laughs> let, 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 let's see. Let's That's see what happens. Twice you've mentioned that. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> did, I, did, I, did I put him to Florida last week? Now, last week you I did. I did. Yeah. 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 yeah you're, Florida. You're, would... you're up. Don't don't give this shy like. Oh, did I do that again? Yes. <laughs> We're onto your plot here, pal. Yeah. I can't blame you though. No, it'd be, it'd be good. I mean, that they need something. They don't need. If for some reason, Anthony Richardson is appearing on NFL draft boards. I don't know why. Like maybe he has to go to the NFL. I don't know, but maybe I don't know like why. Returner. I don't know. I, like he should return. I don't know. If he, like, Florida's gonna be like, oh, oh no, you're gonna go to the NFL. Oh, we'll miss you so much. <laughs> Let me pack your bags. Um, okay, Stanford 15, Arizona State 14. I want to take you to a different world where Stanford doesn't give up that stupid last minute touchdown to Oregon State. This would be their resume. They would be four and three on a three game win winning streak, giving up just 17 per game over those three games. And their only losses would be to USC, Washington, and Oregon. That would be like a sneaky, the resume of a sneaky good team like you have to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Are we going to say they just stink because they gave up a kind of a fluky touchdown? Well, I mean, they could still make a bowl game, which is definitely an improvement from from last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, Stanford is such a weird team because their quarterback is also getting NFL buzz too. St- uh, Tanner uh, McKee. Mc- McKee, yeah. They have UCLA next, or actually, sorry, this week. Then they got Washington State, U- wow, it doesn't get much easier, Jesus. Then you got Washington State, Utah, Cal, and BYU. So that's not particularly fun. Um, why is BYU their rivalry game? It's not. It it goes to the whole USC hosting Notre Dame. I thought Utah, U- I thought Utah was against, I thought the Holy War was BYU versus Utah. It I is. I thought that was their rivalry game. There, it is just whoever whoever isn't hosting Notre Dame on Thanksgiving between USC and Stanford is always scrambling to fill that spot. Oh, uh, okay, that makes sense. Then okay, then I have to flip. Okay, they have to flip it the other way. Okay, yeah. So yeah, so I mean, not great. You do have three wins. You need seven to get to a bowl. <sighs> Maybe Cal Cal BYU definitely potential wins, but you need another two. You got to win two yeah. of UCLA, Washington State, and Utah. Can they beat one of the big two, do you think? I'm a little iffy on this Utah team, to be honest. Yeah. But Their defense didn't look great against USC or at, UCLA. They're at Utah, though, which is concerning. They do host Washington State. They do They do have to travel to UCLA, which is, I think, relatively close to them. So maybe they could... I don't know, that UCLA team... No, I don't know. I really liked UCLA last week, but now I don't really like UCLA after what Simon Oregon did to them. So we'll see. But yeah, they could make a bowl. Not I think not I think the good gauge is is Washington State. If they can beat yeah. them, that'll kind of prove them that they belong in a bowl. Okay, in the American Conference, East Carolina thirty four, UCF thirteen. Um, <laughs> John Rice Prumley throws three interceptions. UCF is just an impossible team to get a handle on. I see them as the American Conference version of of your Gators. We just don't know what's going to go on. Yeah, it, it's such a such an such a crazy random sense of what we're gonna get each week on that team. Their quarterback is not good. I mean, like there was a it's a definite downgrade from uh, definite downgrade from uh, Dylan Gabriel last year. Um, I, I don't trust this this guy at all. I I don't particularly think this UCF quarterback is good. East Carolina is like sneakily good too. So um, watch out for them. But yeah, it's. Uh, his UCF team just has some like again they crushed SMU a couple weeks ago then they lose to East Carolina it's just such a weird year for them as well 
Yeah. I'm going to run through a few other G5 games here in this. If you have anything after these, just let me know. Marshall, 26. James Madison, 12. James Madison quarterback Todd Santeo was out. His replacement basically has this guy heading straight to the bum list if he gets enough <laughs> attempts to qualify. GMU's lost two in a row. Boise State, 19. Arizona State, or Air Force, 14. Boise wins this one on defense. They might be the most complete um, G5 team now that they have an actual offensive coordinator. Their, their defense is one of the best in, in all of G5. Kent State, 33. Akron, 27. Bring this up because it looks like there's some signs of life in the Akron passing game, which is one of those things I keep an eye on when you have a new coach first year. Um, Kent State's defense is terrible, but you like to see some signs of life on the coaches, the head coach's side of the ball in year one. And lastly, Western Michigan, 16. Miami, Ohio, 10. Um, <clears throat> My guy, Jack Sapolek, who we had on the bum list, actually didn't start. Um, just so emblematic of being on the bum list, I couldn't see, despite heavy searches, whether he was injured or just benched. His replacement, a guy named Trayson Bourget, or Bourget, was 16 of 33 for 123 yards. So showing why he was not able to win the starting job um, ahead of our guy, Jack Sapolek. Anything on any of those games? I kind of do want to hit on Akron, actually. So this team okay. is like kind of a covering machine. They keep they covering. Are. Yeah, they cover these massive spreads. Yep. And again, this week it's eight and a half. Again, I've already grabbed that. And like every week they cover a big spread and almost win the game, but then they don't win the game. And it's really frustrating because you're like, oh, man, I could have had that five to one money line. But they just blew that. La like, so again, like the, this this spread here, 3327. Akron was 19 and a half point underdogs. Yeah. I got them. I got them at that. And I got the money line at six to one and Akron could have won this game. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's so sad. Cause like, Oh, be fine. Whatever you cover a spread. Cool. I win money. That's fine. But like could have had six to one. Right. So you're every time like Akron, it's like, it's so sad. Like you couldn't just give me the, you couldn't give me the six to one money line Akron. Like you just refuse to win games. You can't close these games out. Can you? But, but no, I mean, still on them this week. They eventually, eventually, eventually they will win a game. Yes, it's just not yet, but like they keep covering massive spreads, so I'm I'm happy to to keep betting on them. It, likewise, um, yeah, th my model likes them for some reason. That this is kind of the time of the year when you're going to get like your Akron, who's just at a bottom feeder in one loss. That's sneakily not so bad that the model's going to say play them. All right, lastly, I don't know if you saw a replay of this play. I did not. I'm just going to read you the play um, from the play-by-play -play description in ESPN. Tell me if you can figure out what happened on this play. I, I got a description later, but this is just awesome. <clears throat> so this is a Florida Atlantic um, after scoring a touchdown. Quote, PAT, PAT kick attempt blocked. Blocked by Amewule. Recovered by Shelton at the UTEP 48. Keep that in mind, at the UTEP 48, okay? Returned 52 yards to the Florida Atlantic zero. Defensive PAT successful. Score nullified by penalty, confirmed after review. Penalty, UTEP. Unsportsmanlike conduct on Amewule enforced half the distance to the goal. One yard for the UTEP three to the UTEP two. No play. Replay the down. <laughs> Any idea what happened? So I actually, I did see the replay. This, okay. this, this replay was kind of crazy. But yeah, it's such a crazy description of what happened. So the guy, he blocked the PAT. I believe it went off his helmet, if I'm not mistaken. And then because it was off his helmet, you're not allowed to be part of the play because you can't be tackled if you don't have a helmet. So he went after the ball. Now he kind of 
it's not really his fault because he did kind of he kind of tried to get out of the play, but he went after the ball at first and he realized, oh shoot, I have a helmet on. I don't have a helmet on, so he ran off. But then they they nullified it, and then because of that, when they scooped up and scored it, they had to nullify the play. So then it, but like, man, just a crazy play, just so like again, this is something. It's such a crazy description on the ESPN app. It's just it's it's great. Yeah, I'm. I didn't see it. I'm just. I'm. I'm really upset that I haven't seen it. Have another time to YouTube it and look at it. But I. I got to see that one. Sicko's committee has all has all that stuff. If you do, they have that. They have the <laughs> the four safety game in the the four safety D two game. It's great stuff. Yeah, Sicko's is a definite must follow. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing on market intelligence this week. Only one BBMI, and um, this is more based on first impressions. You probably don't agree with me. I thought that Ole Miss giving only three at Texas A&M was just a miss by the market. Um, I think that's my instinct. My model actually has AM, A&M a small favorite in this game. Don't know what your thoughts are. I didn't I didn't check what your model has on this one. Um, let me see. To your point, though, I mean, that just kind of speaks to, you know, yeah. Ole Miss is kind of fraudy. I, I do actually have Ole Miss favorite, but that's just because I think my model hates Texas A&M more. Uh, like I don't, I, I, again, Ole Miss is, is really fraudulent, but like Texas A&M is bad. So yeah, I think fraudulent beats bad. I think that's, that's how that works. <laughs> yeah. What do they say? Maybe their, their thing in, um, Oxford should be hotty toddy. Good God. All fraudy. I guess. Well, yeah. this is, this is like two straight years now where like the second they play anybody good, they just get instantly get crushed. So, yeah. Um, my top QB plus, um, list just one note um drake may now number four i don't think we've mentioned him before the freshman quarterback at north carolina um my gosh if that team had any defense they'd be just awesome but not happening this season there are only hope to stop clemson from getting into the cfp so yep uh no movement on the bum list this week (laughs) they are who they are at this point i guess my top receivers um couple of notes on this so first of all um a new name towards the top 13th is tez johnson for troy um troy actually had a big win over my my jaguars of south alabama that's a tough one for me to take um also bringing up um two guys number 14 and number 16 isaiah winstead and cj johnson both of east carol both of of pardon me both of east carolina interesting to see um you know, ECU team that's been kind of under the radar and kind of all over the place at the same time have two guys in the top 16. So um, I, I've never been sold on their quarterback either, Ayers or Ayers, Ayers. Um, but interesting, there's, they've got two guys in the top 16. Also, um, a couple of weeks ago, I highlighted uh, the entrance of my top receivers, Rome Odunze from Washington, and um, <clears throat> saw a little back and forth with... Um, I think it was RJ Young on Twitter where he had his top receivers. And I'm guessing Roman Dunze's father said very nicely, hey, with respect, how's my son not on this list? So I just jumped in and said, hey, I saw your son weeks ago. Don't listen to these idiot national guys. They're lazy. They don't look at numbers. Listen to our pod. So if he's listening, Mr. Odunze, welcome. And we hope you're a, a lifetime listener. Mm-hmm. Okay, USC update. Uh, USC had an off week. Um What's interesting is a lot of numbers have kind of aged nicely in the off week. Um, Caleb Williams, 13th in QB plus up from 16th, 16th last week, 139 QB plus is very, very good. The offense actually moved up um, to fifth in the country with a rating of 11.5. I think that that 
big game they had um, at Stanford at the beginning of the season is aging nicely. Like I said, Stanford's had a really completely unexpected nice run of, of defensive efforts here, three games in a row. Um, the wide receivers, Addison and Williams, um, fell to 18th and 22nd in the wide receiver ratings as they had the week off. The defense is still about 50th in the country. Good news, Eric Gentry, probably their most important member of the front seven, aside from Tuli Tuipelotu, is day-to-day. He looked like he had a serious injury in Utah. Good news that it looks like he will hopefully be back soon. Um, With UCLA's loss in Eugene, um, USC is now, I have them ranked first in the Pac-12, and I have them ninth in all of FBS, which is, I think, about one of the high points for the season. Looking forward to this week. I think this is where I rely on you. Um, keep me honest on the numbers. Last I saw, USC was giving 15 and a half at Arizona. It is still 15 and a half, yeah. Okay. I got to say, I nailed my preseason pod on the, the originating the lines. I nailed them. I had this one as, as minus 15 in the preseason pod. That's really um, good. I know my USC. Um, apparently, I don't know my wins and losses so well, but at least I know my USC. Um Looking at Arizona, you know, they are very offensive-oriented. Um, they have a plus 3.5 offensive rating. Jaden Delora, pretty good QB plus of 114. Very good considering where they were last year. Um, their problem is defense. I have them with a rating of negative 10.5, which is fourth worst in all of FBS. Um, Johnny Nance and their defensive coordinator. Before the season, I said, I don't like this hire. He was a crummy position coach, and he's not ready to be a, a defensive coordinator. He's gotten a couple of Narduzzi's this season, and he is, I think, the limiting factor on what this team's going to be until they get rid of him. My model has this game, USC 47, Arizona 31. This is very much in line with USC giving 15 and a half and the 77 total. Not playing this one. Um, I think USC wins easy. The, the total of, of Arizona 31 seems a bit high to me, but they, you know, they're at home, and I guess it could happen. Yeah, I've got I've got forty two thirty two, so similar. Interesting. Um, wow, you've yeah. got him in the in the thirties. Yeah, that that USC defense is very, very obliging. I guess at times. Yeah, and that's to to, to their fault. That's not a that that that's definitely hurt them this year. I, I the thing of it is, I think betting the spread is like a bet on Arizona being decent on offense, which they actually are. I think the better way to play this is probably something along the lines of, and again, I have to see what the line is. Like you could go um, Jaden Delora over passing TDs. You could do Caleb Williams over two yeah. and a half is, is obligatory. He generally cashes that. Maybe you get that at about even it's too early in the week for that. Usually that comes out about Thursday, Friday. So that's something I'm going to keep an eye on, but yeah, like this, I actually do like this Arizona team. Um, but I, the thing of it is with a spread like that, like I've got a 10, I think you've got it. Uh, sixteen. So that's yeah, not a not a lot of room there in terms of like if you're gonna bet a fifteen and a half, you want that to be like I have them twenty one points favored. You don't want like I have them like exactly this favored, right? So yeah, yeah, different different ways you could attack that game though. Definitely you could bet that game different ways if you want to watch it. Yep. Okay, and the future bets. You have an audio gift for me? Yes, I do. Here we go. Okay, we have the upbeat music, and we'll get to that in a second. Unfortunately, a little bad news, Georgia Southern. The under five wins, that ticket loses. Uh, that was a double hit. They actually beat my Monarchs of Old Dominion. That would have been a huge win for Old Dominion. 
Um, especially hurts to say this, that I, Clay Helton beat me when he doesn't really beat anybody, but I'm on that list of ignom- ignominious losers. Better news, Northern Illinois, the um, song that we're listening to right now. Under nine wins, cashes. That was easy. Um, they were the luckiest team by far last season. Knew this was coming. I actually have them better this season than last season. Um, I think also their hokey fight song lyrics, if you just look those up, probably don't help the cause. Um, actually, it's funny because I was playing to the first part of it. The first part was instrumental, but like when you were saying that, like they started saying the lyrics. So oh. they heard. I had to go back because it was it was distracting. But like they actually heard the first part of the lyrics, the most like the cringiest part of the lyrics. So it's, it's yeah. Good, so. Yep. Um, but thank you, Huskies. We appreciate it. All the good po- folks in DeKalb, Illinois. Now that you got this behind you, better luck uh, rest of the way and next season. You've got your huge regression to the mean behind you. Um. Club hot seat. Uh, no secret. We had mentioned Will Healy before. He had snuck into club hot seat. He actually obviously has left through the service entrance. And we just want to mention he gave up my play of the year when UTEP converted on a second and 30 with about a minute left in the, in the first half um, of UTEP at Charlotte. Second and 30 conversion. Never seen it before. Watched a lot of football in my life. I don't think I'll see it again before I'm underground. Yeah, second and thirty is it's definitely <laughs> definitely hard to cover, but you never know. You never know. Okay, do you have an an unarduzzi or two or three? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give mine to Dan Lemming of Florida or Dan not, not Florida Dan Lemming of uh, Oregon. Sorry. Yeah, no. Again, this is actually about the second time I've given one to Oregon, but honestly, the game plan they executed there against UCLA was just amazing. Like no. Literally no, like again, this is very similar. Like every, like, this is now two times like, them against BYU and against thing where again I, I've actually watched a lot of these games. Their game plans have been absolutely amazing. They they've known exactly how to attack the other team, exactly how to shut them down. The thing is, like you've got you've got like Bo Nix dropping beautiful passes, teardrop passes to guys completely wide open, and that. The, the the cherry on top, the probably the reason why I'm giving this this unarduzzi to, to Dan Lemming is because of the onside kick in the second quarter. So again, I for for those who didn't watch the game, the game early on was pretty back and forth. I think they both opened up with a with a with a field goal each again. Both these teams are fairly well matched offensively. Oregon went down the field, got a touchdown. I believe UCLA also went down the field and got a touchdown. Then Oregon went down the field, got another touchdown. But then instead, of, and then I watch this game, I'm like, oh man, they're going to keep going back and forth, scoring touchdowns. Great game. Oregon then went for an onside kick, recovered. Again, when you do a surprise onside kick, generally you recover it sometimes. Again, Scott Frost, take notes. <laughs> and then, well, I mean, you're, you're employed now, so you, you could take notes from, from yeah. your couch at home. But this is the thing like, that is when you do an onside kick. When it's like, this game is going to go back and forth. Like, not, we're up two scores. We're going to put the game away. This is, if this game is going to go back and forth, and, like, here's the thing. If we're going to kick the ball to them and they're going to score a touchdown anyway, why does it matter if we give it to them on the 20 or our 40? It doesn't matter, right? If we can recover the ball, we can go up two scores, and then we can can actually, like, put pressure on them and, and maybe put this game away. Just absolutely brilliant game plan. The perfect moment to go for an onside kick. Just completely brilliant. No, um, no notes at all. Well, no, yeah, no, no, 
no uh, no me notes or no uh, no suggestions on, on my side. No no suggestions on my side. Like no notes to Dan Lemming. Just an amazing job. Just bringing this Oregon team back into the CFP and the and the Pac-12 conversation again. Just phenomenal work this week. Good job. I agree. Congratulations to future Auburn head coach Dan Lanning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've got two. Um, both of them unsuspected, but that's kind of how we roll here. Andy Avalos, um, Boise State three and zero now um, since he made that gutsy decision to fire his offensive coordinator, bring in which we kind of, I don't know if we laughed, but we raised an eyebrow when he brought in Dirk Cutter as his uh, offensive coordinator for the rest of this season. It's worked out. Um, they are a very good team, and um, they beat Air Force. They're winning with offense and defense, whatever it takes. The other one is Mike McIntyre, um, totally forgotten guy, did a great job at San Jose State. Say this out loud now, and you kind of won't believe. Um, I guess if you talk to somebody who's just a maybe a freshman at a certain Pac-12 school, Mike McIntyre brought Colorado to the Pac-12 title game, kids. It actually happened not so long ago, just in 2016. For some reason, they fired him. He has landed at Florida Atlantic. They are now three and four. Um, they beat Charlotte. He will be the last coach that Will Healy faces as the head coach at Charlotte. Took them from 111 last season to three and four already. Florida International might actually make a bowl game. It's not impossible. That's not a great conference that they play in. I love Conference USA, but there's nobody that you look at besides maybe UTSA and say, hmm, can't win that one. Um, FIU Panthers might be bowling in year one of the Mike McIntyre era. Yeah, this is. Th this... I didn't see this happen at all, and I'm a fan of the guy. No, yeah, this Florida International team is not bad at all, surprisingly. Just completely out of the blue, not bad at all. So, yeah, shout out to, to Florida Atlantic. Uh, no, yeah, international, international. international, yeah. Yep. All right, the G G5 New Year's Bowl bid rankings. Um, just sticking to the eligible one-loss teams, we're down to three with UCF and South Alabama both losing. I've got Coastal Carolina third. I still have the Sun Belt as the best um, G5 conference by a couple points, which is, which is not insignificant. Let's see if Coastal wins out, what happens. I don't think that we're going to get anything from the first CFP rankings because I don't think they'll include Coastal. Um, curious Coastal, to see. Coastal lost a game. They lost one, yeah. They're still yeah. eligible, though, if, if I'm saying the one lost team. Oh, yeah. They lost to a very good Monarchs team, though. I can forgive that. Ollie yes. Jennings. Our, our Monarchs. Yeah, yes. no. That, yeah, so Coastal is an interesting team. Six and one. We have them over, I believe, eight and a half on the season, so definitely well within that. Only need to win three of the last five for that, and they've got games against Virginia, Southern Miss, App State, Marshall, and James Madison. They can win James three Madison. of those probably. So James Madison's not the same without Todd Santeo, so that I don't know how long they'll be out. That might be kind of easy pickings. That's the last game of the season, though, so he might be back yep. there. So, But yeah, yeah. Um, uh, number two, I've got Cincinnati. I think, you know, Cincinnati, I've got rated a little higher, but I just think that, um, Tulane, it just kind of seems like their year. I think Tulane's a little more balanced too. I think they're better on all, both sides of the ball than Cincinnati. Those Cincinnati does have a dominant defense. Tulane is a little more balanced. Cincinnati and Tulane play in the last game of the regular season. So you could have one of those situations where, um, they're playing back to back. It's looking very, very possible. 
let me ask you this. <clears throat> Can you see either team sweeping um, both ends of that back-to-back if that's how it goes? That's hmm. a big ask. These are two pretty good teams. Yeah. I think if one is going to do it, it'd be Cincinnati. I think we saw this last year. Didn't we see this last year with Houston, Cincinnati? Didn't they play back to? There's been a couple recently where there's been like back to back. Yeah, we had it with Fresno State and Boise, and both teams just kind of didn't care in the last regular game of the season. But a game of the regular season. What's different here, though, is there's a New Year's Six bowl bid definitely on the line if both these teams have one loss. Um, can both teams get up? I I don't believe in the Cincinnati quarterback. He's got a great defense offensive line in front of him, and he kind of is meh. I don't like his ability to beat the two-lane defense twice in a row. Um, That's fair, yeah. I think you're looking at, I think most likely scenario would probably be a split between those two. And then we're looking at, this is my question, can Boise play their way out of club hot seat into this bowl bid? They've only lost two games. Is that horrible loss at UTEP a disqualifier? Does the committee even care? They lost by 17 <laughs> to as, UTEP. As 17-point favorites is an inverse spread. Yeah. Um, no, that, that's a good point. I, I'm not sure. I think uh, it's possible because if UTEP is also making a bowl, then maybe this doesn't look as bad, right? So Yeah, they've got to be rooting for, for UTEP, right? Yeah, they're, they're Myers fans. So Honor, Honorary members of the, of the UTEP football podcast. Yeah, for sure. So welcome Boise. Um, and surprisingly, welcome me to the Boise bandwagon. I kind of like this story. Yeah, I'm not I'm not hating this either. I kind of do like this. This Boise team has been fun the last couple of weeks, ever since losing to UTEP. That was like a horrible loss to UTEP. But again, that was like, what, three weeks ago? Like, again, it's like an eternity in college football. It's like, oh, that, that happened so long ago. When was it? Ah, September. Like, it was like, it was like four weeks ago. So, yeah, just crazy, uh, crazy change in the season. So, yep. Okay. That does it for us for part one. Uh, join us again in part two. Where we're going to give our uh, our Narduzzi Awards for the week. Always, always fun with those. We're going to do our deeper dives and our official podcast plays for the week. <laughs>